Hello and welcome to my Caravan Industry Insights podcast. This podcast is for anyone working in the caravan industry, whether you're from a manufacturer, supplier or dealer here in the UK or elsewhere. So listen every week to hear insights, interviews and marketing tips to help keep you and your business more informed and successful. I'm John Rawlings, a journalist and communications expert with a lifelong passion for caravanning and 20 plus years PR and events experience in the car and caravan industries. From starting in the editorial team at Practical Caravan Magazine to working in the press offices at Vauxhall, Volvo and Volkswagen and now in my own business specialising in the caravan industry. Hello, this is episode 29 of my Caravan Industry Insights podcast and I'm really grateful that you've tuned in today. I hope you're subscribing so you don't miss any episodes this year. Today I am interviewing a bit of an industry veteran. In fact, he doesn't mind me calling him that. He is none other than Steve Trossel. If you haven't heard of Steve Trossel, Steve started in the caravan, working in the caravan industry in 1978. That's quite a while ago now, and for a brand brand called Bessacar, which is now a brand owned by the Swift Group. He went on from there to be the MD of Sprite Caravans in Newmarket. In fact, he was part of a management buyout of the brand as well. So he's got some interesting history to talk about up to today, where he's a freelance consultant in the industry. So I found this quite an interesting chat, and I really hope you do as well. Thank you. So today I've got a very interesting guest on the podcast, someone that I would definitely call an industry veteran. He is Steve Trossel. I first met him when he was MD at Sprite on SCI Caravans before it was purchased by the Swift Group back in 1994. So he actually started in the industry in 1978, so hence the term uh, industry veteran, I'm sure he wasn't by the saying so. After Sprite, Steve joined the Swift Group until he retired full-time working 2011. Then he spent a couple of years being a, a, a journalist and, and since then has been utilising his vast experience in the industry as a freelance product development consultant and uh, back since 2006 he's been a non-executive director at Bailey of Bristol. He's also a very keen cyclist, always clocking up loads of miles on Strava whenever I look at it. In fact, recently pedalled from Bristol to Bordeaux with some of the team from Bailey. So hello Steve, good to see you. Good afternoon, John. Great to be talking to you. Yeah. So I was a bit alarmed as to how, uh, how long I have known you. That's going back a little while now. When, when did you join the... I, was, I joined Practical Caravan magazine in 1992. So, oh, so just a couple of years before we met at Sprite then? Yeah, yeah. So but my father works in the caravan industry as well. So we used to go, I used to go to lots of shows with him. He looked at uh, what was Electrolux and then do you remember the cookers Easter Maxwell where he said stay and stuff. So yeah, so used to go to all the caravan shows with him at weekends and boat shows and stuff, etc. too. So yeah, and we had a lot of Sprite caravans as well. That my that my parents' first and last caravan was a Sprite. So yeah, very fond memories of the brand. <laughs> but when you yes. were at Sprite, you had Peter. Oh, I've Who was your marketing sales marketing guy? Peter. Peter Miller. Miller, of course. Yeah. 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 Who we sadly lost quite a few yeah. years ago. It's quite a few years ago now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But quite a legend in it in his time as well, and did some great press trips with Sprite, didn't you? And we went yeah. to York. Is it York? I think we went to on another winter's trip with Ford one one time. So yeah, good. They were good. Good memories. We went to Barcelona, took a group to Barcelona, and we also did a, a, a trip to the, what's called the Col de Bonnet, the highest oh, road in Europe. That's it, yeah. I think the, um, 
still fondly remember those. Yeah, yeah. the editor of Perhaps Look Aaron like, went on that. I think I just joined and she'd just come back from that. So Jackie Beer. Yeah. yeah, that was yeah, good on you. Well, that's because Sprite, the brand, back in Sam Albert's day, did have a reputation for doing some quite big PR um, sort of stunts, didn't they? Yes, it did indeed, yeah. Right. So how long were you were you at Sprite? Well, I, I, I joined well, hang on a minute, at Sprite. I was there nine years. So I joined in eighty five. So I've been in the industry seven years by then. Wow. Wow. That was at Bessicar Caravans. So, yeah, so let, let's go back to the beginning then. Where did you, you start at Bessicar, did you? Yes, in 78. For seven years since leaving university, I'd, I'd worked for Unilever. And that, that was it. I was involved solely, it was what I set out to do, but I was involved solely in production and technical management in, the, in, in soap and detergent, would you believe, making <laughs> things personal and luxe. Oh, yeah. And, I, I want rightly or wrongly, John, I, I wanted a broader role. And through contacts, uh, I got the opportunity of running Bessicar Caravans, which wow. was a quite a well-established uh, business, but still a small business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I joined as general manager, so it was really in the, the, in the deep end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And roughly, how, do you remember how many caravans a year Bessicar were producing then? Oh, we, we, it was making about 300, that's all. And, and we, we, we built it up to sort of about 500 units. But, and that was, but they were tough times because those were the early Thatcher years. And you might remember some of the brands, if I mention them, those who disappeared off, off a cliff. Those like, it was prestige brands like Bing, yes, SDI, LNG. Mm-hmm. Lots of other brands that disappeared because that was the time when. The bigger manufacturers, like there was, there was certainly Abbey, Swift, they all had quite high production rates. And they were making GT versions, if you like, of, <laughs> of their, their basic brands. And it was, it was, it was really giving the, the prestige brands a hard time. And so Bessicar was threatened as well. But we managed to, uh, to come through that period, which was the early Thatcher years, by turning to an axle caravan. And we grew the an axle business under the name Bessicar Cameo. Ah, uh, yeah, they were lovely caravans, really nice. Mm. So we kind of uh, were, were pathfinders for twin axle caravans in, in, the, in those years. So there, there weren't many twin axle caravans around at that time, I presume. No. We're quite used to them now, yeah. It was mainly, it was, you mainly saw them on the continent. Ah. Uh, uh, they were imported. I remember Tabot was around. Oh, yeah, yeah. Importing twin axles. Cool. And to be to be absolutely fair, the, the 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 cameo came from a company called Astral, but that folded, and That's... we took it over at Bescar and developed it. Uh-huh. And the the others, I remember Swift in particular saying, "We're coming after you. We're going to make them as well." I remember <laughs> that discussion. <laughs> <laughs> but we were kind of pathfinders. We we made for a while just twin axle caravans. Did you really? Well, I can, I can picture them now, yes. Yes. Yeah. And then when, what, away, and why did you move across to Sprite? A new challenge. I've been with Bessicar for, for, for seven years. Right. I, I suppose I was ambitious, wanted something bigger. Yes. I got the opportunity to go to CI Caravans, as it was called then. Uh, okay, so you were producing the whole CR range. Were you still producing, what, Europas and Fairhomes then as well? No, no, no. Um, when I joined, it was uh, it was after Caravans International was broken up. So Caravans oh. International older than about I think it was nineteen eighty two, and oh. and uh, that was when the uh, uh, Sam Alper 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Still a new market, but he, he, he no longer was in charge of CI caravans, if you care. And my recollection is at the time that the business was mainly Sprite and the next brand was Eccles. Oh, yeah. Uh, still, still in manufacture. Yeah. And they launched a new one called Cosmos. I don't know whether that's. I do, yes. I remember that. Yeah. It's Ray Kirby. <laughs> yeah. So, but, so my. I, when I started there, my first role was in product development, and I designed a, a new range of, of Eccles and Eccles Elite caravans to compete with the likes of the brands I've just mentioned, like Ace Award and Swift yeah. Corning. Yeah, yeah. Eccles was rather basic and not doing very well, so that was my first job. Right. And then, having so I got away from production management. They put me back in charge of production. So, <laughs> well, you're very good at it. <laughs> I, was, I, was, well, I don't know about that. But I was, I was, I was production director there for a while before becoming uh, MD in um, 1990. Oh, okay, okay. And how many how many caravans were that was was Spike producing in those days? In those days, four and a half to five thousand. Oh wow! So that is a big jump from Pascal. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of export. There was probably 1,500 to 2,000 export caravans in that. So there's quite an export dependency. Right. Right. Uh, well, that's a big volume. That's a big volume for brand. It was, yeah. Mm. Although in, in 1990, which was very soon after uh, I was given the job of, of running it, we, we quickly ran into, into difficulty. I hope... It wasn't entirely my fault because I hadn't had, that, <laughs> I hadn't had long enough. <laughs> the, yeah, so what happened? Was, uh, well, we we ran into, into problems with the uh, exchange rate, which I think also happened at one time to, to ABI on, on export. Oh, yeah. So the business was, uh, was was not making its money. Uh, and the, the, the business, the cost base of the business needed to, need to be brought down. And we couldn't do that quick enough. And so Christmas 1990, actually at Christmas, we, we put the business into administration. Oh, dear. Fortunately, oh, we, yeah. we were able to save it with a management buyout. So myself and three colleagues, backed by and Peter Miller, who you mentioned earlier, was one of us, mm-hmm. backed by private capital from within the industry to the management buyout. Wow. That was sort of mid-91. mid Wow. Wow. But then we were a much smaller business, two, two to two and a half thousand caravans a year, but we're very, very far fewer export. Right. We get back on that. Right. So where were they exporting to? Into Europe mainly? Or were you, because CI in, in its day exported all over the world, didn't it? Well, that's true. But a, a lot of, well, they had co- manufacturing companies all over the world. Yeah. A lot of those became independent when Caravans International was broken up. Right. Okay. So it, it was Europe, but quite a number. All the countries in Scandinavia, certainly Holland, Belgium. It was a good time. Oh. It was a very, very interesting business. Okay. I can remember those those sprites of that vintage very well. They were, they were, they were, I think they were good. That was, my parents bought a 92 Sprite Alpine, I think. But I can remember around that time, didn't you have a Europa, which had two style interiors? Was it Europa? No, it was. It, sorry. Yeah, 92 was when, you're quite right, John. That, that was when we launched the, or relaunched the Europa. Right. So, the brand new product range, yes. but we called 
we brought the Lear Europa back. Right. Uh, you're right. It was in something we'd learned from our export business that the sort of light grey interiors were close. <sighs> very attractive mm. and, uh, and they proved to be quite popular we did a, an oak version if you like or a traditional version that's right i remember that and, yes and a very sort of modern gray version which was hugely successful in holland and denmark but not um, okay yes it, did, it, it quite well lesser but the third of the uh, of the business that was well oh. worth doing well, it was a good-looking caravan, and uh, you occasionally see them around these days. I think it still looks quite fresh. I don't think it's dated yeah. particularly. It looks, it looks well done. So what happened after that then? Because by 1994, the, the brand was sold to uh, to the Swift Group. The company was sold. Company, actually. yeah. yeah. The brand, yes, yes. Yeah. Part of the goods and chattels. <laughs> <laughs> and then all, all production moved from, from Newmarket to... Not immediately, no. Yes. I mean, we, 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 we sold the business because, frankly, it was always our intention to do that from the, from the moment we did the management buyout. Okay, we, we built it we, Yeah, we, we saw that, we saw that, that it, was, it was unlikely to be big enough to survive long-term in, a, in an area when there were lots of consolidations. And as yes. we know, those consolidations have gone on even to the present day. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and for that business to... Uh, work we had to in the face of some very strong competition we had to grow it very quickly uh, or or accept that it it had to be sold and our our approach from the beginning was to sell and and to be honest swift was was an ideal partner right the the original intention swift had we all had was to keep the new market factory working because swift was was operating capacity at the time but we then had a bit of a turn down the it was sort of mid nineties, mm-hmm. uh, and by ninety seven, it was decided that the uh, new market factory should close because there was spare capacity at, at, at Swift. And it oh, right. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So it was sold very much as a, as a going concern then the brand, and production carried on at new market for a little while. Yes, indeed. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's cool. And had Swift already bought the best car brand by that must have done by that stage? Did that did that follow? Yeah, that was much later. Oh, was it? Mm. I can't, forgive me, I can't remember the exact year, but uh, but it, it was much later. They'd, they'd acquired the Abbey brand. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. But, but I was later, because I know that, because I was, I, I, I was at Swift at the time, and I was invited to go along and, uh, and look at the best car factory, which, which was, never, was never intended to buy that, but I think that there was a, a look around the factory and it was, it was strange to go back there it's weird <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to go back to places isn't it yeah yes and well the best car brand is of course still going still a bit around isn't it with as a more of a dealer special maybe but uh still exists yeah. but i saw because, them at the, uh, the last show in october they were very smart well, they were rather nice don't they mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I'm, I'm pleased to see the name alive lots of names have gone yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's frightening. It's still very yes, it is, isn't it? It's very much so, and particularly in Europe, they're still exporting it again, aren't they? I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's quite so big, is it? Not not as big, no. But they do. Uh, I've seen the Dusseldorf show, so it's definitely uh, being produced under the Sprite brand uh, with, with the door on the other side, etc. So you've seen lots of changes then in the industry, and and, and particularly caravan design and 
manufacturing processes. I didn't realise that you were a, a bit of a pioneer with the with, with the twin axles, but you've gone from those pretty lightweight sprites to, to the, today there's all these eight-foot-wide twin-axle luxury £50,000 caravan. So what, what do you think would be the best changes and advances in, in your time? Best ones? How to... Of course, the ones that I was involved in, wouldn't I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there have been some significant ones, big enough to make a difference to pile exchange values, for example. Okay. You know, if you think of the example of going, going back to the uh, to the late seventies, that was when double glazing was coming in. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And there, there was a period after that when caravans didn't have double glazing were very hard to sell secondhand. Uh, so yeah, price jump. People, some people remember condensation used to pour down the windows on the. Yeah. And so double glazing was a big step in no particular order, as they say. <laughs> hot water systems. Of course. During the early 80s, we started to fit mains electrics in caravans. Wow. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But very few sites had them. And we, we had to fit mains electrics for a long time. There were, there were enough sites to, to justify it, if you know what I mean. Yes, yes, yes. People, so, people got them. Yeah. Well, how, how did that come about then? Had you sort of seen into the future? Or was it something you'd seen in Europe? or? Well, certainly that, yes. I mean, yeah. you could go go abroad to France and the, the, the thing might blow up, but you could plug into my electrics. <laughs> it was a great feature. And it came gradually, but uh, then it's, it's more or less standard now, isn't it? You know, we, we go on the farm sites, you know, the, the, the club patient, and yeah. most of them have mains electrics now. Not all, but mm. most. Mm. And of course, mm. um, I'm thinking of more of the big changes. Yeah. Uh, cassette toilets. Yes, I was going to suggest that one. Definitely, another one that that, that changed. Uh, well, it changed in some ways. It changed the perception of caravaning. Certainly, caravans without cassette toilets were going quite hard to sell. I bet they were. Yeah, I can imagine. In the early eighties, going through the eighties, we had the change over to sandwich construction. Now that must than, be quite. Yeah, that must be quite a significant change. Yeah, yeah. Which made caravans both lighter and stronger. And linked to that, the, the shift from the traditional sort of, what shall I call it, the ladder-style chassis to the Alco BPW-type chassis. Okay. And that was all linked to sort of sandwich construction. And one-piece front panels, you will recall that caravans used to have gas bottle boxes on the front. Yes, yes. <laughs> Again, it was the, it was the 80s that... Uh, the mid eighties through through the eighties, but particularly in the mid eighties, those went and caravans had one piece front panels. That was one of the first things I had to do CI with Eccles to design on the roads. Wow, yes, yes. So, well, I, th- I can't remember if I've told you that, but I've got a nineteen eighty Sprite Musketeer, which I bought as a bit of a rash decision to try and renovate, and that's got a separate gas bottle locker on the front. And yes, not probably not a lot of insulation in there. I wouldn't want to be in it at the moment, but it really did bring home to me the changes. Actually, it has got it's got acrylic windows, but I'm not sure they don't know they're not double glazed. I think. It would have to have been a, a super sprite or something to have the double glaze versions. But yeah. uh, it's, it's very lightweight, though. But I noticed how small it is compared to modern caravans. I mean, I, I stand up in it. I think I'm just over six foot, but my head touches the ceiling. And that, that doesn't happen in, in today's caravans. 
No, indeed, it doesn't. I mean, that, that's a whole subject in itself, isn't it? Mm. Oh. That development. Yeah. So you have seen a massive, massive change in, in that you've been involved with in, in, in your production roles as well. Yeah, one of the, one of the big things, John, that, that, that was sort of really formed part of the uh, the question you asked about change was was layouts. So yeah, yeah. You know, people tend to how important layout innovation is sometimes. Uh-huh. It's a, it's a, but if over, over many years now, I I, I have these. It's my experience at CI, at Swift, and also now at Bailey, you know, talking to the people who, who've been involved with Bailey for a long time, they have the same experiences, that when you develop innovative new layouts that work, that makes a phenomenal difference to sales. Uh, okay. Do you, do you remember in the, in the 80s, the end washroom? Yes, that was a new thing. Two bus end washrooms with separate showers. Mm, that was a luxury. Separate showers for it was work when you couldn't sell anything else. Uh, <laughs> I'm still a big fan of the end of the end washroom. <laughs> yeah, but it's just it's just accepted that it's around now. It never was. Suddenly you had something that was like a hotel room. Yes, yeah. yes. Whereas before were not like that. No. Um, and then of course mm. fixed beds. What a difference! Of course, yes, that's very popular there, isn't it? I, I, yeah, I like to claim some credit for that because we were the. the it was, I was at Swift at the time, and, and we introduced the first fixed bed Caroline to the UK, which was Challenger 500. Oh, okay, yeah. And it was developed for export because they were already popular on the continent. Okay. And we thought, oh, why, should, why would this not work in, in the UK? We should have taken at least two of them to the show instead of just one. Because uh, <laughs> there was a cool. continuous... So I'm just highlighting the fact that Layout development is really important, and it's something that, that still goes on today and makes big differences. Yes, 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 I, I, I agree. And the most recent change has been this, this central washroom idea across the middle with a walkthrough. The split washroom? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 And lots of developments of fixed beds and variations on that and so on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, once upon a time, the doubles net was, was probably one of the most popular family layouts, you know, with the seating area at each end and the, and the kitchen washroom in the middle. But that's that's almost quite rarely saved, isn't it? It is, but you still look at it and think, well, that works, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. <laughs> particularly with the younger kids you want to... Well, the younger kids you want to put as far away as possible, and then when it comes around yeah. to being teenagers, you probably they want their own space as, as well. But I think we've just been a bit spoiled by the in-washroom thing, maybe. Maybe, yeah. But you, I'd love to come back to your point about the size of caravans. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. We we have we have made them over the years. They have got taller, they've got wider, and yes. the last few years massively wider and and longer. And it's intriguing because I can remember years ago agonising, not just me, but the people in the industry agonising about the fact that cars were going to get smaller and lighter because of the pressures of fuel costs. Oh yeah. Environment <laughs> issues and so on. Yeah. In reality, as, as, as you know from your involvement in the car business, mm-hmm. they've got bigger and heavier, haven't they? Yes, yeah, so maybe we're just about to see a time when it'll go back the other way again, and they they get lighter. I don't know. But I mean, the, and I am going back a long time now because I, I used to carry around with my parents. You know, when I was, oh, okay. I was yeah. now I remember seeing the what were holiday homes at the time, but they were towable just. So, and I think the maximum 
somebody might tell us that got these numbers wrong, but I, yeah. I think the body size was 22 feet by seven foot six. Wow. And that was, a, that was a holiday home and you could just about, you, you, you were just about allowed to tow it. Oh. Many touring caravans are bigger than that now. <laughs> God, yes, I suppose you're right. You're right. Well, I mean, I can remember when I, I had lots of holidays as a kid in across Europe in a, in a Sprite Musketeer, and that was we'd gone for a 400 to an Alpine to, to Musketeer. But the, maid, the Sprite Major was considered a big caravan, but that, that would probably be quite small by today's standards, wouldn't it? I think that was yeah, sort of 16 foot long, whatever that is in meters. That would have been. Five metres, isn't it? Something like that, yes. That would have been quite big. Quite compact caravan now, isn't it? I know. <laughs> and I, I think they used to be six foot six wide. Yes, that rings the bell. Yeah. 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 And now to think eight foot is yeah. enormous. But, but, it, but there's an intriguing parallel, isn't there, between cars, which has got bigger and heavier people want more space. Yeah. They're heavier for that reason. They're heavier because there's a lot more equipment in them. Absolutely, and yes, like, yes. I mean, with cars, a lot of safety equipment though, as well. I realise yes. on the rest and strengthening, but the specification goes up and up every year, and mm. and that's exactly what we've had to do over the years with caravans and for that matter, motorhomes as well. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. weight is always the challenge, mm. um, and although there's been a move over to lighter, stronger, more durable materials, mm. weights is still tending to push up because more and more equipment goes in. Mm. Having said that, there, there's some great great caravans on offer now which which buck that trend. Some really good offerings for smaller cars and people who just want compact, affordable caravans. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, great, I'm a great supporter of that trend actually because I own one. Oh, do you? <laughs> yes, I got I have I, I am Bailey's smallest and least expensive caravan, the, the two birth discovery. Oh yeah, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a recent purchase to just just two years ago. Okay. But, but just my wife and I use it and we, we love it. It's our little TARDIS. And do you, well then there is a surprising amount of space in, and you don't really need anything more than that, do you? We don't need anything else. No, I mean, and it, I, I find it quite bizarre that I've spent a career sort of, shall we say, designing or being involved in the design of, of, of caravans and motors, but particularly caravans, to with more luxury, more equipment, the increasing the appeal all the time. Yeah. And and yet when it comes to actually I know we've always been fortunate to be able to, shall we say, test them for holiday for during holidays. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Again, motors. But now having bought one, so happy with uh, with uh, a small one, what what we would call I guess the spec would have been a luxury spec 30, 30 years ago. Now it's <laughs> the basic spec, but uh, it's great. Said, but isn't it? It's got everything you need. I've used it. Has. I've used the Discovery D44 for the fixed for the fixed there, but it's got an oven grill, um, yeah. blinds, fly screens, decent heating, hot water, central heating. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't. It's got the oven. Don't think we'd have been that basic at all, actually. No, but it's the most, as the industry is today, mm. as, as, uh, we repeatedly get feedback from, from customers that that's what they want. Mm. Uh, it, it, it's as the industry is today, it's a basic caravan, and every time anybody attempts to do anything with less specification, it does so. Mm. Mm. That's our experience over the years.
Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I'm always fascinated by Helios and also the, the European brands still have different tastes, the different layouts, a bed at the front, for instance, or there's a double or twin beds at the front. And they, I've always thought it's because they're designed to spend more time outside than maybe inside, but it's, it is still quite interesting how, how there are those differences in, in cultural tastes across across Europe. Yeah, that's true. But they're, but they're, they're, they're put to different uses as well. I mean, I, I, I found that working in the export business for, uh, for many years because does I didn't say it earlier, but when I joined Swift, that was my first role for quite a few years, building the export business. Oh, it's, it's absolutely fascinating to, well, it's also challenging, sometimes oh, very frustrating, trying to deal with the, the different requirements, different layouts, different spec levels, because there's such different uses. So if you try to make a motorhome the same for let's say in the south of France, somebody buying in the south of France, the same as somebody buying in Sweden, you, you, you're on a loser. It doesn't happen. They want completely different things. Yeah, um, I would have thought maybe the difference in motorhomes is less noticeable than, than caravans. Yes, I agree with you, John. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, uh, because maybe there's a, a, a... That's to some extent, I think, because of the standardisation of manufacture, probably, yeah, the... the a good example is, is, is in the UK where, where our caravans are very different to the rest of Europe, but we make them pretty much all of them made in the UK and we yeah. continue to be very good at that, satisfying yeah. the UK. Yeah. yeah, we still like our three funding days, for instance. Why what, sorry, John? We still like having our three funding days. That's normally how you can distinguish British yeah. town. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But see, we put them to very different uses. Yeah, the, the the Dutch are great travellers, so they, and, and they don't have very big cars, so they want small caravans. The Scandinavians are more likely to to have them permanently permanently pitched, right? And they're ready for with the central heating to be switched on remotely for their for their weekend right. skiing trip. Yes, yeah. And um, you talk about the difference in um, production techniques and the insulation. It's certainly um, Perfectly doable to go away all, all year round in a caravan or microphone now, isn't it? Yes, I don't think people realise that. But the, the, uh, it, it is so comfortable mm. <laughs> and warm. Very economical compared to being at home. <laughs> yes, it's a small, especially now, it's yeah. a small place to heat. Yeah. Uh, so great insulation and very, yeah, very efficient, comfortable heating. Yes. I've just interviewed Nick Lomas from the, the Director General of the Caravan and Motorhome Club, and he's saying how, how busy their sites are that are open in the winter, particularly at Christmas and New Year. New Year's a very popular time for people to get away, which is a really fantastic thing to hear, isn't it? People using their caravans more and more and motorhomes. Yeah. 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 He also made the point that in his membership is the number of motorhomes compared to caravan is increasing in, in their house. Or particularly since they changed their name from the caravan club to the caravan and motorhome club, obviously. Yeah. But in the UK, we still sell more caravans than motorhomes, but motorhome sales are seem to be growing, I believe. Do you think it'll go like it is in a lot of European countries where motorhomes outsell caravans? Including yeah. caravans in the, in the motorhome category. Yeah. 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 Challenging question, and it's, it's one that here at Bailey, we, we, we speculate on quite regularly. Mm-hmm. 
Motown sales have been on an upward trend now for about 20 years. It was only, they're only set back by the financial crisis in 08, 09. Okay. Uh, and I think we'd all agree that, that if you sort of question the, the man in the street, if you like, then they're more likely to aspire to own a motorhome than a caravan. Yes, that is uh, true. There's something cooler about them still, isn't there? That, that, that's right. And, and at the moment, we've, we've got an unsatisfiable demand for motorhomes. Having said that, that you know, through through and since the COVID period, there's, there's been a, a huge uptake in, in caravans as well. You know, very, very strong demand for caravans. So, so it's possible that they, they may that, 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 that demand and that growth may translate into motorhomes overtaking. But I think caravans enjoy a better status in the UK than the European countries where sales of, of motorhomes have overtaken them. Mm-hmm. Um, in what way? What do you mean by status? They're, they're, what I mean is that they're, 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 despite my comments earlier about people being people wanting to own a motorhome rather than their own caravan, yeah. I think they recognise more and more that caravans offer a lot, and it's not, it's not a, if you like, how can I put this? Caravans in France virtually disappeared because it was, it was just seen as a, an activity. People couldn't afford anything better. It's gradually dwindled. It's completely taken over by motels. I, I, I think I've got that right. Yeah, I've got that Don't see that happening in the UK at all. And I think, if anything, in caravans and demand for caravans is is improving the so yes motels may overtake but personally i don't see the the, the caravan market declining it might on, on an economic cycle but over the long term yeah i think it will remain popular that's good to hear that's, yeah. that's very good to hear actually and what, what about the dealer network has that changed much over the time there's been a few acquisitions and family businesses being sold and other things but largely to me anyway it seems pretty pretty similar i i had um 15 years in the car industry so i was slightly slightly out of the car industry and when i've come came back after that time there was still a lot of very familiar faces and i didn't think that the network had, had changed uh, that much really no i, I mean a, a warning here for a long time now it's not been my Area of expertise. I mean, I did work years ago. I, I, oh yeah, dealers. But, but yeah. I mean, there were some big changes, weren't there? I mean, in, in the not market, you know, I suppose. But you're, 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 yeah, oh. yeah. But you, you're, you're sort of this discussion is forcing me to look back, Joe, which I rarely do. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but if I if I look back to the sort of from when I joined the, the industry, you had CI with a very strong Solus network where they had. Coordinated branding, marketing, etc. ABI, Solus Network, wow. and it was quite difficult for other manufacturers to attach themselves to good dealers because a lot of the, the uh, stronger, bigger dealers had gone. As we know, both of those Solus networks ultimately unwound, mm. and then we saw the emergence of, of, of some quite strong and influential multi-franchise dealers. So a lot of regional presence, yeah. if you like. Sometimes national presence. Yes, that's but, true. But I think is interesting is, with a few exceptions, that nobody succeeded in creating national multi-depot dealer networks like you have in the car business. There's been, there were several several attempts at that, and, and many of them failed. 
mm. it's sort of wound back in again to maximum two or three de- different depots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so it, I suppose if you if you look at it overall, it hasn't changed much over the years. No, I agree with you. <laughs> but, but, Somebody might argue very strongly with this. Yeah, I'm not that, that 100% close to it, but that's just my observation. So it feels very sort of familiar anyway. And, and over the years, the industry as a whole has done various different sort of marketing activities to try and boost the image and appeal to a wider audience. So are there any particular things that you remember or do you think still need to be done? Does work still need to be done in this area? No, that's a difficult one. I mean, uh, I... I seen a number of industry initiatives as you say mm. over the years and and some of them have the best marketing brains behind them and quite decent funding mm-hmm. but i don't think i think they all had limited success and i think that the, the reason is that again comparing with the, the car business the, the 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 money isn't there to have a nationwide broad impact and, and we're, we're competing with a lot of different forms of, of holidaying aren't we yeah, but the it's encouraging how quickly people saw the benefits of kind of running a motor during and after the COVID pandemic, and, and that that translated immediately into a dramatic increase in demand. Um, so, the, so I think that's boosted the, the sort of status and the image of, of both. Isn't it? So the pandemic, ironically, was probably one of the best things for the carbon industry ever. <laughs> yes, it was. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but the, and, and, you know, there's other things going on with, with or have been going on with airlines and, and so on, which have yeah. uh, helped. But, but I think that the, the, it, it tells us a story about how to go forward because the understanding that I have is that a lot of the people, if you like newcomers, who bought caravans and motorhomes, are, have, have some relationship with it. So they might have friends who caravans. They might have relatives who caravan. They might have caravaned before, either themselves or as part of a family. And they're the people who are relatively easy to convert. And, and I think the important thing now is that we, that we give those people a really good experience and that, yes. that they in turn become advocates. Yes. And, yes. and, and more people then join in. I think we're yeah. more likely to be successful focusing on that route of promotion than big industry-wide expensive campaigns. Yeah. Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yes, yes, yes. Because they're going to be the best advocates. So if they're happy customers, happy having a happy experience, they're going to be the best advocates. And word of mouth is is really really powerful, isn't it? Yeah, and, and you know, and we don't need to convert a great percentage of the population to double our business. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's also issues of capacity of campsites and places to go and use your Yes, and having a good experience there, yeah, it's really important that, that all the industry works together to, to deliver that. Yeah. yeah, that's a very strong, that's a very strong, that's very really good wisdom there, I think, Steve. Uh, and uh, well, well, while we're looking backwards a bit, what about what about Sam Alper then? Do you have a lot of contact with him? Because he's a bit of a legend. No, a lot of contact, sadly, because as I said before, he had left the business at the, when, when the breakup of Caravans International happened in, in 1982. Right. But, uh, so not at all, no. So, but he uh, he lived in Newmarket and he had his impressive there where he, he brewed wine and all sorts of other things. And I was very fortunate that 
I can't remember what prompted it, but he invited me to go for lunch one day. Oh, nice. As MD. In fact, it was after the buyout, and I think he was rather pleased that we'd saved the business. Oh, okay. That's what I call it. And I had a fascinating couple of hours chatting to him. Wow. Fascinating man. You know? Oh, yeah. And it was interesting. It was really interesting to hear his perspective on, on the, the way that Current International had grown, and for that matter, his perspective on how it eventually failed. Oh. He's quite open about it. Okay. It's uh, very interesting. I know, that sounds really interesting. Right. I'm conscious I've taken up quite a lot of your time. <laughs> let me let me think about a couple of my usual questions towards the end of interviews. And well, I think you've already answered the first the first, yeah, first one actually. Dangerous, John. Yeah, I know, I know, don't worry, never I, I normally ask you people prefer a caravan or motorhome, but you've actually own a caravan, so that completely answers that question the way. <laughs> but if you could take Take your caravan anywhere in the world. Where where would you like to stay with it? I want to come back to the question about preference. Do you mind? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I think it's an intriguing one and one that people, that, you know, we, we discuss with friends and discuss with people in the industry. Yeah. Yes, we, we chose a, a caravan, but then I'm quite comfortable with towing, with manoeuvring. Yeah. So I can quite understand people not being... Yes, uh, yes, I can. Yeah. Emotion is easier. Yeah. And we need to confidence on how easy it is to, to look after a caravan. Yeah. But listen, I mean, I, I've always been lucky, my wife and I have always been lucky, that, that working in the industry, I've been able to borrow caravans for holidays. I mean, a bit of a busman's holiday in that you're sort of writing reports on it. On a new model or whatever, but well, yeah. always <laughs> when the children were young, we'd go away for a fortnight, maybe to Italy, to France. And a caravan then is ideal. Yes. So you go there, you park it, you put your awning up, barbecue out, chairs out, and nice. it stays there. Yeah. And yes, you, and you yes. In your car where you want to travel. Yeah. Try it with a motor and it's quite tough. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, as empty nesters, you want to do a sort of tour of, tour of the Alps or something. Motorhome, absolutely ideal. Okay. I'm, I've, been, I've, well, I've been in the lucky position to be able I'm, I think the jury's still out in my household. I think as a, as a whole, they mostly prefer motorhomes. It is easier than, than towing. I find towing very easy, but you still, a motorhome is definitely easier. And what you were saying earlier about image, if I speak to other parents at, at, at school when I pick up the kids up, if you say you're going away in a motorhome this summer, they go, oh, wow, that sounds really great. You don't get that same reaction if you say you're going away in, in a caravan. It's, it's bizarre, well, in my opinion. You don't. I remember the first time I, I took a, a motorhome home to, to load it for a holiday. Yeah. All the neighbours came around to, <laughs> they all look, to look at it, and they don't do that with, with caravans. So it that just reinforces the point we were agreeing on earlier, that, that people aspire to own. I wonder where that, where that sort of image and desirability has, has, has come from them. Where, where does that... Where is that? Why is that image being rooted in their mind? Is that because of the camper van and the, the VW Classic from the 50s and 60s? I don't think so. I think it's the bigger motorhome that appeals. If they, you say you're using a motorhome, people imagine something like a, an American RV. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's the image of No, right. I, I think more of this, the big home on wheels idea. Right. And it is, isn't it? When you're driving along, and you can just pull into a lay-by and, and instantly everything works. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That's great. The sense of the, of the home on your back in that way is, is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, 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 my wife and I, off, 
sometimes holiday with some friends who have a, a van conversion. Yeah. Uh, a, a six meter van conversion. Yeah. And we can be quite jealous of the fact that they can stop on the shopping, they can pull into yes, a label. That's true. Everything's ready. And when they get there, as long as it's not a, a sloping site, <laughs> they're, uh, they're pitched up straight away. On the other hand, whose holding is it that we sit in to have a, have a meal? <laughs> whose car is it that we, uh, yeah. that we go out in? Different, mm. isn't it? Yeah, when we've been away in motorhomes, we've tended to try and use a lot of public transport, uh, which which depends where you are. That's convenient. This year, we did take a motorhome out for a couple of days out, but it just involves a bit more planning. But there are, yeah. it was in Prat anyway. There were, there were good, dedicated parking areas for motorhomes, yeah, etc. It did it did work quite well. But then you've got yeah, swings and roundabouts, I suppose. So anyway, so you, but onto the next question: Where would you take your dream caravan or motorhome in, in the world? That's an easy one because we just did it we, oh. in, in, in May and June. We, uh, we hired a motorhome for three weeks and did a tour of the Rockies. Oh, wow, lovely. In Canada. So it was wonderful. That was one of the Caravan and Motorhome Club adventures. Oh, was it? So, yeah. an, organized, yeah, so an organized trip. Exactly. So it's oh. the flights, the hotel on arrival, nice. and all the campsites are, are pre-booked and there's oh. an itinerary. And there were, there were 12 other motorhomes on the trip. Oh. We, we didn't travel in convoy. No, no. Yeah. It, it, whether you socialised or not, or not was up to you. Yeah. But, it, uh, yeah, it was a wonderful trip. So oh, I would love to do that. That sounds easy, easy to answer that question. <laughs> Ready made <laughs> answer. So, and yeah. and what, did, what have you enjoyed most about working in the caravan industry? That, that's another easy one because I've always had that in the front of my mind. Uh, what I've always enjoyed, I've done lots of different roles, John, but, but what I've always enjoyed most is developing new products and bringing them to market and having the satisfaction of people wanting to buy them and, and enjoy them and, and seeing the impact that getting it right has on the sales of the company you're working for. Right. It makes a huge difference. I mean, yeah. Here, the, the, the classic is the relatively recent introduction of the, of the Bailey Adamo. Oh, yes, uh, yes. Uh, really satisfying to be one of the team that's involved with doing something like that. Yeah, uh, nice. it, yeah. so that, that to me has always been what I've, uh, what I've enjoyed most. Brilliant. Brilliant. I, I know you, the next question I ask people is if you had a magic wand, what would be, what would be your wish for the caravan industry? If you could do something to, to improve its future or make life better for the industry or for users. Any, any thoughts on that? <laughs> That's a big one, isn't it? I know, it is, it is, it is. Yeah, of course, that's fine. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I can think of some flippant ones, but i <laughs> better not say those. <laughs> well, without being too specific, I mean, the, the, uh, when, whenever foreign travel, I mean, airline travel, gets hit for some reason, there's any difficulties, we, we benefit. Mm. And uh, seriously, I think... The, it, it could well be that, that in the future airline travel has to be more, shall we say, realistically priced. Yes, because of the environmental impact, I mean, and people thinking twice about it, yes. Yeah, yeah. and that's right, and, and just applying more realistic costing so that airlines make profits. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yes? Yeah, yeah. 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 The job I, think, I think you answered this question earlier, actually. You say we're giving owners a good experience so that they become advocates for the, for the hobby. I think that 
be a brilliant thing for the industry as a whole. Yes, mm. yes, and, and that that can mean all sorts kind of mean improvement of sites, freedom to stay in different places. I mean, yeah. the, the great example is what the French have done, isn't it? Where you can, where there's lots of areas where you can park up. Yes. Near town. General infrastructure, yeah. So my final question, and this is is a fun one, is if you could have a barbecue on a campsite with three people, celebrities, politicians, dead or alive, other than family or friends, who would you invite? Oh, no celebrities come to mind, I'm afraid, John. That's Um, that's fine, that's fine. I I can think of, I think it it would be, I'm not going to stick with this one, but I think it would be fascinating to, to go back to some of the politicians of the 70s, because people are relating what's happening at the moment to I recall that it was far worse in the 70s, but it would be intriguing, wouldn't it, to to have a conversation with the likes of Harold Wilson, Ted Heath and Jim Callum and say, what was it really like? Because we we never had quite so much insight as we do these days, because we rapid reporting yes so it'd be yes. fascinating wouldn't it but i don't i don't think i'm not sure i want them at my barbecue so <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> i'll tell you what i tell you what I, I referred earlier to, to how much i used to enjoy working in the export business traveling to different countries yeah working with different people building up business with agencies importers and so on yeah and i made some long-term contacts, but also some good friends, and I haven't seen them for a long time. Oh, that's good. I think I'd pick three of those and have and, and yeah. a, big, a big recap and see how life was for them now. A reunion, almost. Yeah. yeah that's brilliant. Wow. Well, Steve, it's been really interesting hearing well, a brief insight into your long, long, long career. There's, there's many people in this industry that have been in it as long as you, particularly not on the manufacturing side. You, there's as many as old as me. <laughs> <laughs> you're not that old. <laughs> and you're still in the industry now, even on a part-time basis. So that, that's really impressive. Yes, I'm still enjoying it very much. Yeah. Good, good, lovely. Okay. Oh, well, all right, Steve, thank you very, very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Really good to catch up with you. And, well, maybe see you at the, at the February show. Yeah, indeed. Thanks for the I've enjoyed it. Good. Thank you very much. Thank you. So thanks, Steve, for all your insights from the industry there. I really enjoyed catching up with Steve and I didn't realise quite how long he'd been in the industry. So really good to have that all that on record. So I'll just finish by saying thank you for listening. And if it's not too late, Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it and would really appreciate it if you could share it with as many people as possible. Even better, please give me a five star review in iTunes. It would be a great help. If you'd like me to interview you, want to suggest someone to interview, or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, or want to get in touch with me for any reason, please drop me a line at john at rawlingscommunications.com or message me on Instagram at rawlings underscore comms. Thanks very much. Bye for now.